Welcome to the Bad Book Reviews Podcast, a discussion on bad reviews of books loathed with the authors who wrote them. This is not a chance for writers to exert revenge against cruel reviewers, but instead a place to discuss how we talk about books we don't enjoy, dish about the books we actually love, laugh a little about the oddities of the internet, and find a grain of truth in some rough critique. I'm your host, Alexis DeWeese, and today's guest is Susie Finkbeiner. Susie is an author of historical Christian fiction. Her stories are filled with honest characters whose grit and warmth carry them through dark times and always end with hope. Her best-selling Pearl Spence series includes A Cup of Dust, the Inspe Award winner A Trail of Crumbs, and A Song of Home. Her latest novel, All Manner of Things, releases in summer 2019. Susie is also a member of the Breathe Writers Conference Planning Committee and a co-founder of the Fiction Readers Summit. Welcome to the show, Susie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. Episode one. So for our listeners out there, we are going to chat with Susie about what inspired her and her writing. We're going to talk a little bit about some of her reactions to her first reviews. Then we're going to talk about some actual reviews of Susie's books. And then we're (laughs) going to talk a little bit about what she's reading. So are you ready to go, Susie? Sure, let's go. Okay. So why don't you tell me a little bit about why you became a writer? The big question. I know. It's a a great question. Um, I think that I started to become a writer when I was... Well, well, let's back that up. I've been writing stories since before I could even right before I was literate, I was making up stories that my mom called lies, <laughs> but <laughs> I call them fiction. There you go. And <clears throat> I have always been just intrigued by story. It's how I function in the world. And so it made sense that I would try to make a career out of it. And um, I, I thought it was crazy to try to write novels but I'm so glad that I did because I really love it. It's it's become a joy in my life. And I'm not employable. I'm not a very good employee. So this job works really well because I work with made up people. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> if you don't like any of your coworkers, you can just kill them off with no repercussions. <laughs> right. But you have to be careful about the Google searches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what inspired you to start writing novels then? You had said that you weren't, that that was a little intimidating to you. What what changed your mind? Well, see, I, I started my professional writing career as a playwright, actually. And um, and then I, I just had so many people saying, well, now try a novel. Go try a novel. And so I, I did, I started writing one, but I didn't tell anyone about it. Um, it was kind of my secret project that if if it wasn't good, if it wasn't viable, it didn't matter because no one knew. Um, but but my barista at the coffee shop, Sarah, she knew because I was there a lot. Um, <laughs> but then I I started to fall in love with it, with the process, and and falling in love with the characters, and and I thought, well maybe I can make a go of this. And it, it's so audacious. And I, I think it's the most audacious thing I've ever done besides going after my super handsome husband. 
No, that's really great. So your so that novel, correct me if I'm wrong, that novel turned into your first published novel, Paint Chips, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. So when Paint Chips was published, you finally made it through that whole process and the book was finally out into the world. And in this day and age, the internet exists and readers started to (laughs) review it. What was that process like? Do you remember that moment when you got your first review? Oh, yeah. I think my first few reviews, they were actually most of the reviews for Paint Chips were people who I've known for many, many years um, because Mm -hmm. I was just starting off and they were my platform. They were my my tribe. And um, a few of them, I just thought, you're only saying that because you've loved me for years <clears throat> and, and that's okay. Keep saying it. Just don't tell people you're my mom. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so the first handful of reviews, they were all five star. And I knew like for a debut novel, I wasn't sure, you know, that, that it warranted it. And I was, I was very self-conscious and very vulnerable and at that point, I had not developed this thick skin that I have now. And um, I, I remember the first not so sweet review that I got. And it, I, it, it, it floored me for like three days. And, um, oh. you know, it, it's a rookie thing, you know. Yeah. And... Um, I just remember reading it and crying and not understanding why someone would be mean. <laughs> and <laughs> I look back at it and I, I just think, yeah, I think, I think we all have to go through that so that we do get tougher and mm-hmm. so that we can learn how to detach our, our self-worth from our work because mm. it's really tempting to think that our novels are us. They're our work. They're an extension of us, but they're not who we are. And just because someone doesn't like it doesn't mean we're not great people. And it doesn't mean that, mm. that there, there's not an audience for what we create. That's really wise. No, I love that. Well, it took years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's kind of what I'm wondering. So now you have five, nearly six novels under your belt. Um, so mm-hmm. when another critical review comes in, what do you do with that? Do you even read your reviews? Is that is that something you're in the habit of? Well, I, it is a it is a little secret of mine that I do read all of my reviews. Um, we we're often told, don't read your reviews. Don't go and and look at Amazon and Goodreads. But um, for a neurotic person like me, that is impossible. (laughs) Um, So I, I do read the reviews because sometimes there's that nugget of wisdom, that, that little thing that you, that helps you to sharpen your skills um, mm-hmm. and I know we'll talk about that later. So I, I do have a good example of that. Um, and every once in a while, you, when you're writing a first draft, you're so, um, raw that you need to know, mm-hmm. okay, yes, 
there is, there's some good, like it will get better and people will connect with the story. So reading those five-star reviews does help sometimes, but don't believe all of it. (laughs) Don't let it get to your head. One of them is at at least one of them is your mother. At least one of them. (laughs) That's really great. No, I often think that when I, when I go to Amazon and and am considering buying a book, I see a book that has 100% five stars. And I just think I'm like your mom's book club read and reviewed your book like that's just my instant like this can't measure up (laughs) either that or your mom knows how to create bots (laughs) she's got like 500 bots that are all giving you great that is that is something moms know how to do often the mama bear instinct is real and and they will (laughs) go after amazon oh no i get that i get that well okay so this is this this is a little telling this this will reveal kind of what this podcast was born out of so i do love reading reviews online for books that i love just to if i have read something i love but none of my friends have read it i can at least go online and find people who are going to wax poetic about it like i am mm-hmm. but also if it's a book i love i love to see the one star ratings and i get really riled up like it is that mother bear instinct of of when seeing people talk about this book that i so deeply cherish and people are talking about why they hated it. And <laughs> I just, I get really riled up. But my favorite thing is to find the one-star reviews that are just bad. And I'm sure you've mm-hmm. gotten far enough in this to have found reviews that they didn't like the book. That's that's apparent. But also the review isn't helpful at all. And out of that becomes almost comical. Oh, so I just, yes. <laughs> I love reading just bad book reviews. So hence why this podcast is called the Bad Book Reviews Podcast. (laughs) So if you're ready to jump in, I have some bad book reviews pulled from your book, A Cup of Dust. So why don't you tell me what A Cup of Dust is about? A Cup of Dust is the first in the Pearl Spence trilogy. And it's, it's set in Dust Bowl, Oklahoma. It's from the perspective of 10-year-old Pearl Spence, who is precocious and a tough cookie, but very vulnerable. And um, she's she's the kind of character that was such a joy to write. Um, and I really loved her. But there's, there's a bit of a mystery to it. There is a uh, not like murder mystery type thing, but there's a little <laughs> bit of, of um, discovery for her. It's a, a um, coming of age type story for her. And it's about, it's really boils down to who's your family and how, how do you lean on them to survive something really rough? Um, like the Dust Bowl, like a shiftless hobo that jumps off a train one day, things like that. Um, yeah, that's, that is what it's about. And, um, it was it was the kind of book that I was not sure would ever sell to a publisher. Oh, really? And just because it is from a 10-year-old's perspective. And for adult fiction to have a 10-year-old protagonist <laughs> is is really, really rare. And I'm I'm so thankful that Kriegel gave me a chance with it. 
No, that's awesome. And I think the risk paid off in a big way, except for for three readers. Uh, (laughs) At (laughs) At least least three readers. But these these are three reviews that I just I thought were kind of funny. And I just kind of wanted to unpack with you, um, first of all, these reviews themselves and then talk a little bit about what makes a helpful review and what makes for an unhelpful review. So are you ready to dive in? Mm hmm. So all of these reviews are are out there somewhere on the internet written by somebody. And we're going to keep those locations and identities a secret to protect these innocent readers who just wanted to share their opinions. Um, But our first one is a one star review. And it's it's only one word. So I'll just I'll just go for it. I'll just this go for it. Yes. This is my favorite review ever. All right. So here you go. Are you ready? I I am so okay. ready. Listen or else you're gonna miss it. Depressing. You got yes. it. You got it. <laughs> it's set in the Great Depression. Yes. Exactly. It's an astute. I give that one star review five it's stars. It's an astute review. Yes, five stars. They <laughs> they read the book obviously, and and really got a sense oh, yeah. of what was going on. Um, so <laughs> probably my favorite thing of what's going on here is then someone commented on the review. Um, and I just, I love this, this innocent comment just saying, it's about the Dust Bowl and the beginning of the Great Depression. I'm not sure why you thought this book would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm I'm so glad someone's trying to make this a dialogue because usually like a one word review doesn't doesn't leave much room for conversation and this other user is is just trying to make it a conversation. Um there's no there's no return reply. But no, 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 no. I, I you know, I think that that first of all when I when I my husband saw that that depressing review you know the one review and he was mad um because he's very protective of me Mm -hmm. and so he he was like this is ridiculous like they're not even going into you know they're not explaining what they liked or didn't like or you know it's just and when I came over and I looked at it I laughed so hard I doubled over and my stomach hurt because I was laughing so hard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, obviously the book wasn't for this particular reader. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought it, you know, it takes some work. You have to log into Amazon. You have to go to the appropriate book page and click on leave a review and then intentionally click the one star and then <laughs> write something. So it's not like it's not like it's just her thought. She she or he had some intention and um yes i don't know i i i was i was almost impressed <laughs> i i just i really appreciate that this person was passionate enough not enough to use a capital at the beginning right but they were passionate enough to to do what you said like they're they wanted they were <laughs> compelled to go through this effort um and so points yeah. for that like like they do get points for that um, and as I, if I recall correctly, not even a period at the end. No, no, there's no, no. it's, it is literally just the word depressing. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> and if, if that person is listening to this podcast, 
thank you. Because yes. I can't tell you how many times I've told the story of this review and and it just like it's just a testament to it's okay. You'll survive the bad reviews and the one star reviews give validity to the five star reviews. No, so thank you. Completely. Completely. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is also your mom. She was also trying to like she knew her five star review was was gonna make people want to buy it. But she also not, wanted to like she didn't want people to not buy it. Right. So she didn't but, you wanna, know, she yeah. and she's really smart, so she would intentionally not use punctuation. Yeah. Um, no, to it's, throw, it's, the, to the throw people off, to throw Amazon off the algorithm or whatever. Yes. Yep. I think that worked. Good job, mom. Good job, mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Review two is, is a little longer. It's slightly longer. It's yes. entitled sad. You got two stars. I'm kind of breaking my <laughs> rules. already. So we're going with a two star review. Two stars. But this one's so good. Sad. Okay, here we go. Very sad and depressing with no ending. <laughs> The end. Yeah. I wonder if no, she I got just, like an incomplete book. Very possibly, but I also would just I what <laughs> I thought, like I I watched the never ending story as a child. <laughs> I didn't read the book, but I watched the movie and I just I would like to congratulate you on publishing an actual never ending story. I didn't I didn't get that sense when I read the book, but Well, but I didn't even have one of those big dog bird things. What is that thing on never ending story? I don't know. Pearl probably needed one of those. That probably would have made it better. Better than a dust storm. If she had a furry dog dragon. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize there was a book for the never ending story. Yeah, I was told I should read it and I didn't. Um, So goes life. (laughs) So it goes. Um, But a a cup of dust does in fact have an ending or at least my copy did. But we're seeing again this this very sad and depressing you, there's a moti- motif going on here, which I think is interesting because I didn't necessarily get that sense when I was reading the book. And I think this is this brings up kind of an interesting point that like no person reads the same book. Mm-hmm. Like was that a Mark Twain quote? It might have been a Mark Twain. It quote. probably was. <laughs> he said all the smart things. I don't know. I feel like anytime someone doesn't know who a quote should be attributed to, Mark Twain gets involved somehow. I, I think that's valid. I. I I think that's how the internet works. If you don't know who said it, it's not anonymous. It's probably Mark Twain. So this review by Mark Twain um, <laughs> is saying that this book is sad and depressing. We have our previous reviewer who who only thought the book was depressing. Uh, so and I, as a reader, did not get that sense at all. So that's three different people reading a book and all having a different experience with mm-hmm. the same book how do you think that impacts reviews well you know we all have different tastes and and things and and we all I mean we we just like different things what's you know you and I have very similar taste in literature I believe um but Mm -hmm. my my neighbor across the street Millie she's not reading the same books I'm reading I'm pretty sure and and that's fine because at least we're both reading and um, I think that people latch on to what provokes them sometimes. Sharon Garlow Brown often says, sit with what provokes you. Like, what is it that kind of riles you inside? Sit with about when you're reading or when you're, you're taking in scripture or doing a spiritual practice. 
and and sit with that and figure out why it riles you and if you're right to be riled. And um, I think that that part of our culture is that we don't do that. We're not mindful. Mm. And I think that sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm not mindfully reading a book um, or when I, I already have a preconceived notion about a book, I will cling on to whatever I don't like about it. Mm. And that will distract me from anything that might be good and meritorious about it. So I think that sometimes that happens. Sometimes um, people see Christian fiction and they think, oh, this is going to be clean and soft and sweet (laughs) and good. And um, there's not going to be blood or death or (laughs) um, implied swear words. (laughs) And and, um, so when they pick up a Susie Pinkbiner book... (laughs) They're a little shocked, yeah. Especially when there's a cute little girl on the cover. <laughs> true, <laughs> but, um, this is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, what's the tagline that you would like to assign to me? Susie Finkbeiner, someone's gonna die. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I I own it. I own it. And I, I don't think it. people. I think people are realizing that slowly, but with a couple of dust, particularly, <laughs> they didn't know who I was. Yeah. They didn't know what kind of things I wrote. Yeah. No, that's okay. Now they know. Now they know. Now they're aware. And and you have (laughs) Mark Twain and your mom's reviews to help show. I do. In fact, to piggyback on this review, there was another one. It was a two star. I don't remember exactly what she said, but um, you know, the writing was great. The characterization was good, but there was so much violence in a cup of dust toward women, animals, and children. I guess they didn't mind the violence toward men, but um, <laughs> which is anyway. I think my grandma wrote this one because she was always complaining about horses getting shot in Western movies, but um, not the people, but the horses. The but, horses. Um, and she she said, you know, I wrote a note at the beginning to talk about some of the racist language that people used at the time, um, things that we would ne- hopefully never say now mm-hmm. in a polite society, and and how that she didn't find that note to be necessary, but she wished there had been a note to explain all the violence and she would never would have read it. Hmm. And, um, I just don't, I I didn't think there was excessive violence Mm -hmm. until I read that review. And I was like, well, maybe, well, we'll see. It's not, it's not unwarranted, but also it's not, I would say it's not, a focus of what's going on. I don't know if right. that's valid, but because then there's chapter three. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but there is chapter three. Just, just for any yeah. listeners out there, you should probably be aware of that. So in chapter three, for people who haven't read a cup of dust yet, it's an incredibly intense chapter. And the reason it's chapter three is because when you submit a book proposal, you send the first three chapters and I knew chapter three would get me a book contract. <laughs> and it did. I played the system. And we're, we're really glad. We're really glad you played it. Some of us are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So not, the last. Not the one. Not, not these people. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. It's so right. this last review is another one star entitled Terrible Text Repeated in all capitals. So here's, here's this one. I think this just brings. Reappeat. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
<laughs> so so yes, we've got we've got someone with some creative liberties in spelling who just has some thoughts to share. And I think this brings up an interesting discussion point as well. So here we go. I was disappointed the text was constantly repeated. There must have been a printing error. I tried to read the book, but got too distracted and lost content. I was really disappointed because I really wanted to read this book. And yeah, yeah, I I understand that that's frustrating and I, I would be really upset too. But here's the thing. It's not the author's fault. Like I, at this or point, it's it? kind of... Or was, was it? it? Why did you repeat so many pages? Honestly, when that when I got that review, I went to a couple different copies that I had on hand and a digital copy just to check because mm-hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, what if what if they're all like this and people are just kind of suffering through it? Oh. But no, I think I think this reader just had a a lemon of a copy, mm-hmm. and it makes me sad yeah. because you know. Books aren't cheap. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes ebooks are, but <laughs> it's still an investment, it's still a yeah. mon- monetary investment. And so I, I wish that that this reviewer would have known to go to Amazon mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, my book's messed up. Can I please have and another by going copy? to Amazon? You don't necessarily mean going to the reviews section." Absolutely do not mean going to the review <laughs> section. Um, they have they have customer service for a reason. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes they are sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes. Sometimes. So would you say mm-hmm. um that it's hmm, let me rephrase this. Peyton, bear with me. Um also, by the way, just so you know, Peyton is our, our our editor, so I'm not just talking to... I, I haven't created an imaginary friend, just so you know. Yeah, um, I was hoping. Yeah, so that's what's happening. Hi, Peyton. <laughs> so, okay, I'm thinking how I want to phrase this question. Would you say, would you agree with the statement that reviewing a book on Amazon might be different than reviewing a, a general product? And I ask this... In the sense that if I ordered, what did I recently order on Amazon? I ordered some hair, like a hair clip on Amazon. And if it was not correct, like if it was faulty, um, I would have like given it a poor review because it wasn't working the way it was supposed to work. Um, And in a similar fashion, like this person got a book that was faulty. But do you think it's valid to say that book reviews on Amazon are different than just a general product review? Do you think that's true? Yeah. Yeah. I um because the in the instance of the hair clip, your review it reflects on the quality of the product. Mm-hmm. Whereas um a book review, it reflects on the quality of the content. Um, mm-hmm. Which are they really are two different things. I I'm fine if somebody doesn't like what I wrote or if they think I'm I'm dead wrong on something I wrote. By all means, give me a one star review, and I mean be civil and use one one word um, to describe how much you hated it. But maybe maybe this reviewer didn't understand that. Um, but it's it's like with music that you buy or a a video that you get. It's, it's not 
the product, it's the content. Hmm. And yes, the content is the product that you should be reviewing. Um, that said, if there's an individual seller um, of a book, they're selling a used book and it comes completely different than what they described, then that's different because I think they're, they're more focused on the quality of the content or the product instead of the content. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does get muddy. It gets muddy. Mm-hmm. But um, that one star review, it didn't bother me because anybody that re- would read it would understand what the deal was, you know, and, and to have, I don't even know how many reviews of all five of my books. And that's the only one that, that speaks to the product quality. That's mm-hmm. not too bad. Yeah. But it's still like, what? No, <laughs> <laughs> not my fault. Yeah. Call customer service, get the book, get, make it right. Uh, Cause you might like great. the book. You might. You okay. might, you might find it depressing. All right. So we're going to change gears a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Stephen King, who I know you love, gave a lecture. This mm. was when the book that he and his son wrote together came out. And he gave a lecture and was talking about reviews and reader reviews and how they're so much more prevalent than when he first started writing. Um, mm-hmm. Because before that, they were only coming out in the newspaper or in magazines. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they were professionals writing them. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so he was talking about how now um, when you're getting bad reviews, if you're seeing a, something repeated by readers, then that is like a teacher who is mm-hmm. is point is just pointing something out. They're, they're trying to make you better. Um, and they've all noticed it. So it's something that is identified and you can fix it. And I thought that was a really great perspective. I feel like we often don't look at critique in that way when it's coming from an internet reviewer. Um, but I think there's some truth to that. And so I'm wondering if you have had any reviews that have made you a better writer. Yeah. Um, when... When Paint Chips came out, and unfortunately, I can't necessarily find these reviews anymore. I don't know if they were removed by the um, the reviewer or by Amazon, because Amazon does this mm-hmm. often these days. Um, there was one or two in particular, and they weren't low star ratings, mm-hmm. but um, the content of the review was such that I, I became more mindful of what I was writing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the listeners who aren't sure what Paint Chips is about, it's a mother-daughter story. Um, they're separated, and it's the story of them coming back together. Um, spoiler alert. Just kidding. But um, <laughs> there are some themes of, of um, sexual abuse and sex trafficking and, and such things. And I didn't consider how much of a trigger it could be to readers who had been um, hurt in their past. Mm. And I think it's one of my greatest regrets is how, how triggering it was and not triggering in a you know, way that we talk about people getting their feelings hurt, but no people having, having past significant trauma rehashed mm. and, um, and that that informed me. That mm-hmm. taught me to be more careful, and and to be more careful with my readers' hearts, mm-hmm. um, because 
an author has this really, it's a big responsibility to um, not manipulate their readers and not to exploit their emotions. Um, and I don't think that was my purpose when writing Paint Chips. Yeah. But ever since then, I've been very mindful. And, and this is why I don't write about sexual abuse anymore. Hmm. Because there's, there's a lot of that out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the one to write it anymore. I, I really don't think I'm the one to write that. Hmm. But it was very good feedback for me. Oh, yeah. No, that's so that's so invaluable, especially when you're writing something that's not out of your experience. Um, right. You know, there's just there's a lot to learn there. And I, I'm just glad that um, you were willing to come to the table teachable ha- after having written that book that still that understanding that you're not the expert or you're not you don't know it all because you literally wrote that book on it or um, right. but that you're still. Right teachable and that it's still it's a conversation in your between leadership. you right and I I love my readers I have a fierce and loyal love for them and I'm protective of them mm-hmm. and um, this is a way for me to show that I can write highly emotional books without necessarily going there mm-hmm. and um, and that's okay and but that's not to say that Christian fiction should stop approaching that topic. I'm just not the one to do it. No, that's great. So as we're wrapping up here, why don't you share with me three books that you think people should be reading this fall? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I This is a hard question for me <laughs> because narrowing it down to three is... Um, I don't, it's so hard because I, I just love books so much. So I'm, I'm going to combine two. So the, it's actually four books, but okay, you'll see if it makes sense. So the first is that everyone needs to, well, not everyone, <laughs> but everyone who likes literary, beautiful prose, um, engaging story, um, something that'll get pump the adrenaline a little bit. Um, needs to go out and look up Sean Smucker. His um, The Day the Angels Fell and the sequel, um, The Edge of Over There. I'm counting them as one. And I'm breaking your rules and I don't even care. That's okay. Because the, and you know, you know these <laughs> books are great. I do know that. They're just, they're, they're the kind of books that you sit. When I was reading The Day the Angels Fell, I hid from my family so that I wouldn't have to fold laundry. <laughs> But my husband found me um, because I could not stop reading it. It's that engaging and and compelling. So go find Sean Smucker. He will be your friend. I'm pretty sure. He's he's amazing. So read those. And then um, a lot of of readers that I've found um, of my readers also love um, kind of masterpiece theater type Mm -hmm. shows. Um, and if the, if you love Masterpiece Theater or Downton Abbey, you have got to go and find Joanna Davidson Politano. She wrote um, Lady Jane Disappears. And it's just, it's beautiful prose. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a thread of romance, but not so much that it's the plot line. Um, there's mystery. 
and the language is rich. It's it's just rich. And if so, if you if you love classic Jane Austen type literature, you'll love her prose and her dialogue. Um, it also won the INSPI for debut fiction. Very nice. And and Joanna was one of our Fiction Readers Summit authors, and she's about the sweetest person you'll ever meet. No, I really enjoyed her. And also um, a book that came out this summer, her second one um, was just released in late July, is A Rumored Fortune for any of our listeners who want to read that one as well. And Sean She's also incredible. this fall. You would you were talking about Sean Smucker. He has um oh gosh, what is his memoir called? We were strangers once. Or yes. once we were strangers. Once we were strangers. And that has released this fall as well. So those are both available. And I'll link to all of these in show notes for anyone mm-hmm. to check them yeah. out. I'm gonna go back to an old school book. Great. That I'm finding more and more people are admitting finally <laughs> that they haven't read and they do so with shame and agony and and they they sprinkle ashes on themselves and confess in in between um, gnashed teeth um, but there's no shame if you have not read to kill a mockingbird never any shame there's no shame because you are still alive and there's still a chance so um, and it's still in print. It is. Um, d- bypass Ghost at a Watchman. It's a draft. It's it was not meant to be a published novel, mm. although it's a great cover. But um, <laughs> but go read To Kill a Mockingbird. It's a master class on how to write characters and how to write families because you have to write families well. You really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how to to make people fall in love with this this universe of of characters um so it, go go read it because it's beautiful wonderful all right so that is our episode thank you so much for joining me my pleasure thanks for having me so to our listeners Thanks for joining me and Susie Finkbeiner on the Bad Book Reviews podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Be sure to check out the Pearl Spence series. We'll link to the books and show notes. You can follow Susie on Instagram at Susie underscore Finkbeiner and on Twitter at Susie Finkbeiner. You can follow me on Instagram at A.L. Deweese and on Twitter at Lex from Bohemia. If you want to contact us at the show, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at bbrpodcast at apricotservices.com. You can follow the show at apricotservices.com apricot services on instagram and twitter bad book reviews podcast is a production of apricot services this episode has been made possible by sound engineer peyton burse digital producer peter ford and executive producer alexis deweese 